Hi everyone, welcome to the Inspirited Politics podcast, focused on exploring and inspiring innovation in politics. My name is Sitara Edward and I'm the founder of Inspirited Politics. In this series, we talk about unleashing the potential in politics to create a positive impact on our society for the long term. I speak to guests from inside and outside the political arena, asking them to shine their light on conscious innovation in politics. Okay, today I'm very, very pleased to uh, welcome Alan Seal on our first podcast. It's extra special for me to have Alan here to kick off the podcast series because his vision and work for leadership in complex and also rapidly changing times is really at the heart and the essence of inspirited politics. Besides that, he is the founder and director of the Center for Transformational Presence, and Alan is mentor, coach, and a teacher for leaders, coaches, and people from all over the world who are committed to making a difference in a rapidly changing world. Welcome, Alan. Thank you so much, Sitara. It's great to be here with you. In essence, you know that I would just love to talk to you today about how you feel the leadership that you believe in from transformational presence could also uh, benefit the world of politics and your vision on that, because uh, you have such a um, profound vision for the future that has always inspired me. And I'm hoping to inspire um, our audience today as well. Mm. To start off, I would just like to ask you a question. Now, you have spoken for many, many audiences in the, in the world already. And now I'm not sure, I don't think you have ever spoken in front of the UN Assembly yet. Uh, not yet. No, not I yet. haven't. <laughs> no, no. I was just thinking, imagine you were invited to do so. You were invited to address the General Assembly of the United Nations. Yes. Because in all these times, 2020 has brought a lot of changes that they are looking ahead to the future and trying to comprehend how for the future, for the future generations, they need to guide themselves as leaders. Mm. And they've invited you to talk about your vision there. What is it you would like to speak to them about? The essence of what I would like to say, which maybe kind of runs through everything of what we might talk about today, is to ask them to listen. And maybe even before they're listening to someone else, to listen to their own hearts. I feel like that we have become so separated from who we are and the truth within the core of our being. Why did they what is it that, that brought them into their work that ultimately brought them to the UN to begin with? Um, there was some calling inside. There was some desire, I would hope, um, to make a difference in the world. And they wanted to make a difference in the world because of something inside, because of something that they wanted to touch, something that touched them, something that mattered to them. And... I feel like that we have to get back in touch with what is it that really matters to us. Yeah. When I look at a lot of our world leaders and that audience, you are speaking of them listening from their heart, if I 
I hear you. Yes. And yet I think a lot of people are really, really living in their head and especially a lot of our leaders at the moment. Yes. Um, what would you advise them to do? So first of all, I want to put that within a context of not making that a criticism of the leaders because in fact, they're responding to what we're asking from them. You know, we've, we've set up all of us together. We've created this world where, where we've made this big separation between the heart and the head, if you will. Mm. And so um, it's first of all to, to be gentle and respectful and say, what if we just take a moment and come back to remember why you stepped into this to, to begin with and what really matters to you? And you don't have to say that to anybody else right now. You don't have to talk about that. Go deep inside yourself and let that just be there for you to remember what's really important to you. What really matters? What are, what's important about the relationship between you and the people that you serve? What's important to you about the relationship between the people that you serve? What's important to you about that relationship space in general? Uh, the culture within the people that you represent, and I don't mean the arts and crafts or the, you know, the, the arts in terms of culture. I mean the, the culture of how we, what is the space in between us and how are we taking care of that? So to bring us back into that place and to, as you know, from our work in transformational presence, a lot of people will talk, talk about so in their head and have to get to the heart and whatever. That's a lovely idea, but it's not about getting out of the head. It's about just expanding on beyond it now and recognizing that we've, we've trained the intellect very, very well. <laughs> now we need to open on and expand on to the heart and recognize that the heart intelligence, which has an electromagnetic field that's 5,000 times bigger than the intelligence of the intellect, um, the heart actually has access to a lot more information. And when we will listen and pay attention to what's trying to get our attention in that really big picture view, the head can then engage to begin to organize and make a plan for that. That's what the head is really good at. The intellect is really good at. But um, we're so conditioned to start with the head and maybe we engage the heart a little bit to soften the edges. Well, what if we turned that around? What if we started with this awareness from the heart that actually the heart will give us a lot more information than they will, than we will get only from the intellect. And then we let the intellect respond to that information and work with that information. Yeah. So what I'm also hearing you say is really about getting more information and using more within ourselves to, to be able to move forward, right? So it's not about losing the head. It's no. about gathering more information, getting to know, use ourselves better. Yeah, and it's even about, it's funny, that this has just sort of come into my awareness the last couple of days in a couple of coaching conversations. As soon as we say that word information, we go straight to intellect to then what do I do with this information? And yet in the heart, it's more about messages. There are messages coming to us. And so if we can start from that place of there are messages that are trying to get our attention and allow them to come in and then allow the intellect to hear those messages and work with those messages, 
it's a different kind of energy than we're just gathering information. And now, because if you look, I know you are very, very um, aware always of politics and you follow the news on a daily basis. Yes. What's it that, that's worrying to you in these times? <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, just the essence will do it, uh, Alan. What worries you that, that also that you sense that if we can address that, we can take steps forward? Really, in terms of what is it that if we made that shift, uh, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's the listening. Yeah. And then listening from the heart instead of listening only from the analytical mind. Um, because the heart again will hear so many more layers in what's happening in that in that dialogue in that conversation, and to recognize that also we live in a world that is we are so we just want quick fixes for everything we're an immediate gratification world now, and that is killing us and so it's about coming back to a long a, a long view Ari Wallach calls calls it the long path. And recognizing that what are the, the big shifts that are, that are wanting to happen in our world and to acknowledge that those shifts won't happen completely, perhaps in my lifetime, and yeah. that's okay. This is my part towards that shift now. It can begin to shift in my lifetime. But it's when we look in the really big picture, it's, um, it's not about... Uh, quarterly goals. <laughs> it's about steps that we take. And maybe it's this quarter, we're going to take this step towards something or this week or this month or this year or whatever, however we're looking at that. But it's about recognizing a long-term view. I, I, I think there aren't many organizations um, or societies that have a long-term view anymore. I mean, long-term view, I'm talking about what's your hundred year view vision, you know, even what's your 50 year vision? What, what is the vision that goes transgenerational that goes yeah. on beyond as the, in the native American tradition, they talk about the seven generations. Uh, how will, what, what we do today, the choice that we make today, how will that affect seven generations to come? Um, it's coming back to that awareness. Yeah, that is I, critical. You touch on something interesting there because what I always wonder is how do we get back that view? If I look at myself, I remember long ago, I would not even be able to perceive so far. How do we create awareness in people to get that back and that we can look further than sometimes maybe our own times or lives? Right. Right. Well, so two things come to my awareness about that. One is to look at it literally generationally from starting from where we are. The second is the interconnection of everything. So let's talk about those two. When I think about the intergenerational, instead of saying seven generations out to say, so my grandchildren, and how about my grandchildren's children? Mm. And how about my grandchildren's grandchildren? So that it's, I mean, in my age, I actually don't have children and grandchildren, but I raised a lot of adults. And um, I, I look at this, uh, uh, I still, I, I can imagine that that I can easily connect to in all of the people in my life who do have children and grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren. And that connection that is there, that starts to make it real. Yeah. And, and what is it then 
for my grandchildren, for their grandchildren. There's now there's a, there's a lineage yeah. there in a sense that's important. The other piece around connection, the fundamental worldview that shapes every choice and decision that we make, even though it is mostly subconscious is, do we believe that everything is connected to everything else or everything is separate from everything else? And until we can fully understand that everything is connected to everything else, quantum physics certainly shows us that, the ancient wisdom teachings show us that, everything is connected to everything else. And we have this saying, six degrees of separation, that it's very rare that there are more than six degrees of separation between you and anyone else in the world or any situation in the world. And so even I'm sitting in that right now in my own country in the, the incredible challenges of the moment. So the West Coast is on fire. The Western part of the United States is literally on fire. I'm not there in that, yeah. but only one connection then to people who are there living in that right now that are dear to my heart. I'm not on the Louisiana, um, Mississippi border, I think right now where the hurricane has just come ashore and is moving so slowly that that hurricane will be devastating because of how much water will come. And I'm not there right now, but I know people who are there. There's just one degree of separation from that. The more we can recognize that every choice we make in some way is going out there, rippling out into the consciousness and affecting the rest of the world in one way or another, at least within six levels of connection. So these two things together to me are, we don't change anyone's mind or thinking by talking to them. It's not until they experience something. We actually change because something has happened in our hearts and then there's a shift. Yeah. You were talking about listening before that. Uh, in these days, it's so hard when facts are all over and facts are contradicting one another and everybody is getting so much information or misinformation that people can feel they are listening to the information they are getting and yet not being able to see a, a, a clear future view or, not, or to live in a different bubble and a world because that's very much what these times are about, that we are all like living in our own bubbles. Um, how do we address that? Yeah, so there's so many layers of that as well. Of course, it starts with just recognize the news sources that you that truly are trustworthy. So information and news is now big business. Mm -hmm. And so the more the news can create a reaction, the more business it creates. A reaction as opposed to a response. Mm -hmm. And so... What's the difference to you between to a reaction me, and a response? Uh, reaction is the thing that happens without me even thinking about it, it's just boom, it's the first thing that pops out of my mind, it's the first thing that it goes off inside of me. And a response on the other hand is taking a step back, taking a breath and consciously choosing, how will I respond to what has just happened, to what is being said here? One of the things we talk about in transformational presence is that we cannot control our initial thought about anything that happens. You know, we're all wired how we're wired. Things set us off. We get triggered, whatever. 
We can't control that, but we can control our second thought. Mm. And so it is moving into that space of, first of all, just stepping back and saying, okay, let's, let's be calm about this. The second thing is that one of the, one of the things that I look for in a news source is um, not, uh, how do I want to say this? That there's not an emotional charge to the delivery of the news. <laughs> it's just, here's what is happening. Yeah. And certainly there are um, news journalists that you watch their face, you can feel their body language, you recognize there's something about this story that is touching them deeply, deeply, and deeply inside. And yet they're just telling you, this is what's happening here. They're being real from the human perspective, but they're not exaggerating anything. They're not trying to get a, get a reaction out of you. They're just sharing with you what's here. That kind of journalism is pretty rare today, <laughs> but it still exists. And uh, so uh, I, I look for those sources. I mean, I have those sources that I go to here in the United States and I, I look at lots of things. Um, and I also, in a way I'll, I'll see something that flashes in my email or flashes on the news screen and say, Hmm, let me just see if that actually shows up in the New York times. Okay. Yeah. Does that actually show up in the public television news? Does that, you know, where seeing it once, okay, but how does it actually show up? And again, all news is business. Yeah. Um, coming to the public television in the United States and, and the, the PBS NewsHour is, is, it's just, here's what's happening. Yeah, so I think you're and also saying- Very good journalism. Yeah, we all need to do our, we need to take the responsibility to do our research. That's, Absolutely. Then it, it's, it's every Absolutely. one of us, every individual uh, out there that we are all responsible ourselves to research whatever information is coming to us in whatever to way we can. Disengage from those news sources that you can tell they're all about getting a reaction out of you. Yeah. They're all about stirring you up yeah. instead of just informing you of what's happening. And um, we've, we're very far away from that. So that is, a, that is a step back. Would you be able to tell us something about how you see, you know, maybe also for the people listening who are not familiar with transformational presence, what's the essence of the work uh, you have created and how you also um, think it can help the world of politics forward in the next years to come? There are um, three kind of, principles of transformational presence that come right away principles and 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 um, frameworks or tools that we use that are underneath everything that we do the first one is a concept we call push against or partner with so we are very conditioned when something is going wrong in, in our interpretation it's not how we want it to be we're very conditioned to push against that to make something happen to treat it like it's a problem and just fix it, to, to do something about it. And when you do that, it mostly will either make it worse or it certainly doesn't get better and it creates a lot of stress within you and uh, it, it just stirs things up even more. 
if I think of these times of COVID, do you see things that we are pushing against in that situation at that moment? Can you give us an example? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, let's take COVID. We're treating COVID as if it's a problem that we have to fix, as opposed to the partner with side of that equation is, I'm going to take a step back for a moment, not for a week, not for 10 days. I'm going to take a step back for a moment and listen. What is COVID is here because it's trying to show us something. We talk about in transformational presence, a problem is not something to be solved. It's a message to be listened to. It's just trying to show us something that's not working on a deeper level, not, not about not what's not working on the surface, on a deeper level. And it's trying to show us that there's another path to take if we'll just pay attention. So it's really these two concepts together. Am I pushing against it or am I stepping back and listening and starting to partner with what's here? Yeah. Because what's in front of you in the moment has just become your next co-creative partner. May not be the only one, doesn't mean you have to like it, but it's what's right there. And so it'll, we'll get further faster if we work with it instead of fight against it. The, the second concept is, um, are you talking to life or are you letting life talk to you? It goes hand in hand with push against or partner with. Of Again, we're so conditioned to react to whatever shows up. Instead yeah. of something shows up, take a breath. Be with that for a moment. Feel it, listen to it, sense it. Now, how do I choose to engage there? The third is something we call the four levels of engagement. And those four levels are, it's basically just four ways that we engage with the world around us. And on the surface is the drama. So it's, it's completely being in reaction. It's spinning around in circles, um, usually staying in crisis mode. And we're asking whose fault is it? It's not my fault. This happened. Now I have to deal with it. This is horrible. And um, the second level, if we drop down a level from drama, we get a little bit quieter into situation, which is basically here are the facts. Here's what's going on. How do we fix it? And we live, including the media especially, the media lives mostly in drama, tiny bit in situation. As a society, we live in drama and situation. However, if we cross down into the third level, it's choice. And it's like you cross a threshold when you go to choice because it's not what are our choices of how to fix this, but rather who do I choose to be right now with what's happening? Here's the partner with, here's the listen to life, here's the take a step back and say, let me just take this in. How do I choose to respond to what's going on? Who do I choose to be within this situation? Recognizing that I may not be able to change what's happening right now, but I can choose my relationship to it. And as we get quieter, we can drop on to an even deeper place to the fourth level, which is opportunity to say, there's actually something that wants to happen here. When I say something wants to happen, that's in a much bigger picture. It's not the same as what do I want. What wants to happen in service of a greater good or in service of the, the whole, um, in service of the, the, so that everyone gets at least some of what they need here. So it's a much bigger picture view. What wants to happen here? So when we talk about coming from politics, we talk about leadership, we talk about how we are in the world. It's about stepping out of drama and situation and down into choice and opportunity, which is, again, becomes more heart-centered, becomes more real of 
and authentic, but who are you? It's a, it comes, brings us much more into integrity, yeah. into the truth of what, of how we want to meet the world in a way that, that really works, not just for me, but works for us. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, that we are seeing some of that in politics already at places? Um, I do think we see that. Don't ask me to name names, but, no. <laughs> uh, but I think, it, I mean, just, I, I feel like that there, I hear people speak from time to time and go, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like that there, I feel like that many people when they first come into politics, come in because they see that as a path that they can make a difference and they get swept up in a system that is incredibly dysfunctional now. Yeah. So it's also and, really, how can we, how can people stay in touch with that essence? Actually what you started with at the beginning, how yes. can you remain in touch with that essence that brought you into the arena and took you to politics? And even if the world around you is, is, is a, is calling you to change. How can you stay true to yourself in that, in that sense? And, and that's, I mean, there it is right there. There's the big challenge. And it's, to me, it's not only being, staying true to ourselves, but being willing to speak out about the system and take steps for that. And to recognize that the dysfunctional system serves some people very well and if they happen to be the people in power they will make sure the system stays dysfunctional here we are with this in the united states it's that's exactly what's happening here yeah. that the 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 leader in in charge and to large degree now the party in charge that has, that has become his party is um thriving on the dysfunction yeah yeah, so that's just something very concrete for us to remember that that there's always going to be the the opposing power that has has got a interest in keeping things the way they are, and that are maybe not having the perspective on their grandchildren and their grandchildren's children um, yeah. to change the world or to to uh, make policies that fit that. And if they are thinking about their children and grandchildren, it's only their Here. children and grandchildren yeah. <laughs> no, but not, I think that's a, not a generation of children and grandchildren yeah all over yeah that's a that's a that's a very very good and subtle difference to make <laughs> <laughs> yeah subtle that actually is in the end not so subtle but yeah. there it is and i know you have worked with lots of people all over the world you have worked with uh, with leaders as well have you ever worked with politicians um um alan and what did you learn from that or what um, so I have not worked with, with politicians in a big way and, and uh, who serve at higher levels. And that's something that has been calling out to me for quite a long time. And so it's part of why I'm so excited about what you're doing. And there are several others in our community who are now um, taking this work out into the realm of politics in, in different ways. And so that's another, that's another like long path view. Yeah. Because for me to realize, uh, you know, I'm 65, I, I may not be the one who ends up doing that. But so many of you whose lives I've touched in one way or another, maybe some of you are the ones who will take it the next step and then others will take it another step. So I have to look at it as the ripple that uh, I drop my pebble in the water of what I can bring to the world and have to trust that 
I can have a very big vision. I may not be the one that brings that vision to life, but maybe I can touch many of you who, who do in your ways bring that vision to life. And that's a great lesson in leadership right there, you know, for us all to realize that sometimes we, we don't have to be aware of the effect that we create by dropping that pe um, pedal in the water and that to know uh, where that effect is still lasting. I mean, that's a wonderful lesson in, in leadership. I feel like, you know, I hear people say all the time, you know, I, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about that. And that is just so not true on any level <laughs> because um, there are lots of things that on the big picture view, I can't do anything about. And yet if I look at what is the shift in energy that needs to happen in order for that situation to change there, I can make a difference because I can begin to make that shift inside of myself. I can, um, invite people into another perspective through creating experience for them because and that's a huge part of the transformational presence work we don't just sit and talk about ideas we go straight into exercises and structures and ways of experiencing something where you start to make discoveries and we everything that we work with is a real life experience a real life situation I, I should say and 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 then helping helping you to to perceive that to understand that to experience that from another perspective than you have before and all of a sudden oh my gosh there's a really there are really important messages here yeah yeah thank you we're coming to the end of our time uh, here together oh. um, alan yeah went fast <laughs> that is time just fly so in 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 closing i know you have have sometimes have had these great wild ideas and visions um, for, for, for all kinds of things in the world. Now, if you could just like wave your magic wand, you would be able to change something in the world of politics. What would be the wild yeah. idea you would want us to, um, to bring to, yeah. to life? So here's the wild idea. Um, and let me just preface that again by saying that, or reiterating what we said before, that um, people make change and they shift their perspectives because of something they haven't, because they have an experience and something touches their heart in a different way. And so my wild fantasy is um, in Congress in the United States that every time before a vote is taken, everyone stands and you put your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you. So that, again, by some number of degrees of separation, you are touching everyone in the chamber. Everyone. Mm -hmm. We are in this together. We are as one in how we impact the world. We are not however many hundreds of votes. We are not two parties or three or four parties. We are as one in a decision we are making now that goes out into the world. So the simple experience of just touching someone else's shoulder is that, that tactile reminder that we're not in this alone. Beautiful. It's, uh, I have done that in a workshop, not in a political situation, no. a political realm, but 
it was incredibly powerful and moving for people. And in a moment when there was some division there in the group and that just opened another door of possibility. Didn't solve everything. It just opened another door of possibility. Thank you for that, because we're hoping to make a whole list of all these wild suggestions. (laughs) Wonderful. Every change has always started with one crazy idea. So here is the first. And, you know, hopefully we can look back in years to come and then see which of these ideas have really come to life. So so thank you for kicking that off, that process as well, Alan. Thank Mm. you very much for our time also today. And I hope our audience enjoyed it as well. I know I did. And if anyone would like any more information, please visit our website, inspiritedpolitics.com.